Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Matt Rossi, and with me this week is Joe. Just oh, Joe. Man. Just Joe. You know what? Just That's, Joe this week. It's okay. It's okay to just be Joe. It's, yeah, it is. What's wrong with being Joe? You're Nothing. Joe. You should I've been own jo- it. Own I've been, Joeing. I've been Joe my entire life. It's worked out okay so far. Yeah, definitely. Um, and hey, you know, you're, you're Jesus' dad's namesake. That's not That's too true. bad. That's true. And I mean, I, mean, I had, I, you know, the only the only downside is I don't have an amazing Technicolor dream coat. Well, we'll see. Keep in mind that wasn't the guy. That I was know. A different Joe. I'm aware. Okay. Just just so we're Did clear, I, I don't want people mistaking. I, I don't want to derail too much. Did I ever tell? I was in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor dream coat, the Broadway show. But not as Joe. Not as Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. Weird, I don't know right? why. That's unfortunate, but whatever. <laughs> um. So yeah. Hi. Uh, we talked about stuff during the pre-show, but nothing that really relates to Blizzard or its many games. So we're just going to move on to talking about stuff. Um, got some their top stories. Uh, the first one I'm going to mention is one that's a little interesting, and I'm not sure what it's going to end up ultimately being. And it's not just a WoW story, but it is a pretty big story for us WoW players. Curse Forge, which is you know where you go to get your add-ons unless you use WoW interface. Um, they've been owned by Twitch for a while now. And they're not anymore. Uh, Overwolf, the guys that make the overlay people play in various games, including Overwatch, uh, they bought CurseForge as part of their move into making add-on creation like an actual paying gig. Mm-hmm. They've been doing this for a while. They, they invested something like $2 million bucks in a fund to, to uh, give to people who were designing add-ons last year. They did that with Intel. They also are the guys who were mining everybody's information and selling it to advertisers for targeted ads. So, you know, there's good and there's bad with Overwolf. I'm not I'm not trying to pretend that they're they're all, you know, saints or what have you. But nevertheless, they bought CurseForge. And it's pretty clear that they bought CurseForge because 
uh, as one of my friends put it to me, the easiest way to become the number one at something is to buy the number one at something. Yep. And Curse Forge is the biggest, not just for WoW, there's many other games that have add-ons and mods up on Curse Forge right now. What's going to happen is if you use the Twitch uh, client to manage your, your add-ons right now, you will not be able to do that anymore. You are going to have to switch to the the standalone CurseForge uh, program that Overwolf is, is currently in the process of making. Which takes us back to where it was in the beginning. Yep. Uh, and, I mean, they've talked about how they're going to do ads. They are going to do ads. They have said as much. They're going to have an opt-out. Um, I'm not thrilled with the language they used in their announcement about the opt-out. But regardless, they're going to have an opt-out for it. So you can opt-out of getting ads either there'll be a there'll be a paid option and possibly a free option for opting out as well that hasn't been determined yet the the program will supposedly be out in the next three or four months they did a an, a, a reddit ama today the talking about this overall i do not know what to think about this i know that the initial fallout of it will be people trying to decide if they want to go over to the overwolf version of curseforge or trying to decide if they want to manage their, their, their add-ons manually. Then they're going to stop doing that because nobody wants to manage their add-ons manually. Yeah. Um, this is one of the reasons why I run very few add-ons because I don't like using CurseForge and I don't like managing my add-ons manually. I have At this point, I think the only thing I run from CurseForge is, is DBM. I mean, I'll be flat-out honest. Way back in the day, I wrote my own program to basically hit the APIs and pull that stuff down because I got tired of using eight different standalone applications because WoW Interface had one, Curse for Curse had one, there was another one for something in between, um, and I don't know how Overwolf's going to be right now simply because I have a weird aversion to what I call first-gen technology, uh, and they're doing this, and I understand that they've invested a lot of money into it, but... I'm not. I'm not feeling too keen on it quite yet. Yeah, I, I also think that it's worth pointing out that like people who use this, who use you know CurseForge right now, have gotten used to having it on the Twitch client. They, yeah. They've been used to managing it that way. Mm -hmm. um, Overwolf makes a perfectly fine overlay program. Um, their their program gets around a lot of games that ban extensions because it does not inter interact with the games you're running at all. It also also has a Fraps alternative if you want to use a stream yeah. capture without OBS or XSplit, and it does yep. okay at that too. So it's not that they can't do this. It's not that they don't know what they're doing. It's it's more of a question of do you want to have to readjust to the new paradigm, and what are they going to do with your information? Those are the two big yeah. issues. Um, uh, for right now, all we can say is that they, they bought CurseForge, and buying CurseForge means that – like. Uh, I think that's basically like I guess Nexus mods would be the only thing I can think of that's even close to CurseForge. Yeah, Nexus mods would probably be the the closest thing to 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 CurseForge. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. And CurseForge is probably the bigger and more more used one. Certainly for MMOs like World of Warcraft, it's it's the the king. So if you're a WoW player and you use CurseForge right now, you're going to need to decide in the next few months: Do I want to switch to their new add-on? manager or do i like want to get some when i start running this myself and i 
if you're like Joe and you can write your own program, maybe you should, because otherwise you're going to have to go to every API individually and download whatever bag manager, bar mod, and other you know program whatever you know add-ons you're using every time there's a new patch. Uh, but that's the situation. That's what's happening with that. Um, another thing to, to mention because it's happening this week, actually. Well, this week and next week. Uh, Diablo Season 20 just ended. Diablo 3. And Diablo season, Diablo 3 Season 21 is on July 3rd, which I totally called, by the way. I, I called that. I had said that that's when I thought it was going to be, and I was right. And so I'm going to pat myself on the back because no one else is going <laughs> to. Uh, I would if I was there. Yeah. But at any rate, with with that announcement, we now know you know the next week and a half up up until like, I guess from now as you're listening to this, we're recording it on Tuesday. So since Sunday till about next Friday, there, there's you know there's no season. You just if you're playing Diablo three, you're just playing it, and if you're waiting for the season, you're just waiting, and maybe you're going to do something else. Uh, but nevertheless, that's the case. The season's coming out on the third. It's the the season of of the Trials of the Tempest, which is basically a really interesting elemental damage buff that goes off randomly as you play. Uh, It's not entirely dissimilar to the the season of the Triune, except instead of it putting a circle on the ground that you had to stand in, it's just an elemental damage buff that goes off from you. It's random as to what the elemental damage is. It just it's centered on you and hits things around you. So it's pretty cool. Um. I don't know yet how I feel about it compared to other seasons. Like, I don't think it's, it's not going to be one of my best seasons ever. I, I just, I, it does not feel interesting enough to grab my attention in that way, but there's nothing wrong with it. It's, it's a fun way to, to get extra damage and change up how you play a little bit. Uh, there's also a couple of new tier sets for demon hunters and necromancers. Uh, and I don't know the bonuses off the top of my head. Sorry. They're actually a little complicated, but, they're actually both pretty interesting. I, I wrote up a thing talking about them. And I, I do think that if you're going to be playing in the season and for some reason you're not going to play a Barbarian, like, I don't know, maybe there's somebody who's going to gun and they're going to kill people you love if you play a Barbarian. I, that That's the only reason I can think of to not play a Barbarian, but I'm sure there are others. Maybe you've never known love or, or you, you know, you, you're upset with yourself over a personal transgression and you want to, to pay a penance. I understand. But for whatever reason, you're not playing a Barbarian. Either a Necromancer or a Demon Hunter looks like it might be interesting this season. I will maybe play one after I play a Barbarian. And then another Barbarian. Of course. And then a Crusader. Which is just a Barbarian with armor. The fourth one, though. The fourth one, absolutely. I'll absolutely consider one of those two classes before I play a fourth Barbarian. Anyway, so that's happening. Um... You, I, you don't really play much Diablo 3, so I'm not going to assume you don't have much to say about that. No, I think it's great that there's another season coming out, though, and I'm hoping people have fun with it. I haven't I haven't really picked up uh, Diablo 3 in a while, as far as gameplay okay. goes. I did. We did write a post this uh, week talking about things to do during the, the lull between seasons, and we, we recommended various... Uh, one of the things you can do is go play another action RPG. For instance, uh, Warhammer Chaos Bane is out. Oh, so good. You can, you can play that. Uh, there's Darksiders Genesis. Uh, it's my personal recommendation. Also really good, and I hate you for showing me that game. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> you have no life. What, what can I do? I can't sleep. I can't eat. All I can do is play games. Um, there's there's other games. Uh, one that I'm interested in but have not actually played yet is, like, uh, I want to see Grim Dusk. 
Grimdark. Grimdark. Uh, I think it was a Grimdark. Wow, if it's named Grimdark, that's hilarious. Um, but that's that's what I'm looking at. Uh, they, there's also Walson, which I know nothing about. I have not played it. I've not looked at it. I don't know anything about it. I just know it exists. Torchlight 3 will be coming out soon. It's already in early access. Um, yeah, it's in I've, early access. I have poked at it. What, what's your opinion since you poked at it? It's very early access. Uh, it it feels basically like Torchlight continued. It it's but without any of the polish right now. Hmm. Well, you know, as you said, early access. They they have a little time. Yeah, I'm gonna give them time, it, but yeah. The problem with Torchlight Three is that it is not the same group of people who made Torchlight and Torchlight Two. Correct, because they fired Some all of them. them. Yeah, it's like a few of them, but it's a different company, and that. It's one of those things you always worry about with like a, a game franchise is when somebody else comes along. I like to call this the the Halo problem. Yeah, and it's not there's not anything to attacking the the developers who came in after Bungie. This is not saying they made a bad game. It's not in, it's just in some different. ways they made a good game, but they're different people with a different mindset and different mentality. And sometimes it feels like the game went like I wouldn't have seen that coming sort of decision. Sometimes it can be good. Um, but sometimes it, it isn't. Like for instance, I, 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 you know, I've talked about my love for Assassin's Creed Odyssey to the point where people want me to stop and would actually hire assassins to come get me if I were worth killing. But nevertheless, it did feel like a change. And sometimes people like that, and sometimes people don't. Um, sometimes same, you know, in the same game, people will like it and people won't because you know oh, these people played the previous games and that's what they were looking for versus me. I never played them, so this is new to me. So I'm not freaked out by all the stuff that's not the same. Um, I think Darksiders Genesis did a really good job of being a completely different game than all the previous Darksiders. Oh, yeah. But still being good, so you'd be like, willing to go along with it. It um, is a very good Diablo-style game. Yeah. Uh, another so, one that I would throw out there, too, and just for anybody who's still curious about any ex- other additional R- action RPGs you can play, Victor Vron is still one of my favorites. It's got the grimdark feel to it. It's very Van Helsing-ish. Uh, oh, right. Okay, I have heard about that one. I thought you were going to mention uh, Path of Exile. Path of Exile is also okay. But- Not my favorite, but like Victor Vaughn because it has the Motorhead uh, DLC. So I'm yeah, super okay. into that. <laughs> Let me kill Mr. Shows Up. You should just be into it. But yeah, so that's, that's what we know about Diablo right now. Um, so it's interesting. Finally, um, this one I'm just mentioning because she's finally out. I don't expect to talk about it too much. But in the, you know, May, May is May, right? Or is it May or Mai? I never Mai. Mai. Mai is out in Heroes of the Storm now. She's a tank. You can go freeze people and punch things and be a tank, uh, which people have wanted her to be in Overwatch for years. And now if you want her to be a tank, go play Heroes because that's where she's a tank. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a neat little skin. I, I, I got, we had an art, we have an article with like the uh, gallery up, and it's, it's really cute. Uh, in general, I like Maya as a character. I like her little cinematic. So I, I've always, I've always been like, there's just a part in the uh, Overwatch 2 opening cinematic where she goes, "That could work," and I, that's the moment where I decided, "Yeah, all right, fine. I'm in. I'm in. I, 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 I yeah. stand by." She, she, she is one of my favorite characters, and I'm happy that she's in Heroes of the Storm. I'm actually looking forward to getting some free time so I can actually play her because I yeah. love playing tanks. I love playing disrupting characters in uh, MOBAs. And uh, yeah, 
Give me, give me my. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna free somebody and punch somebody, and it's gonna be hilarious. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that uh, the other reason I think we talk about it a bit is because it's, it's a good sign for heroes that they're gonna have more characters uh, enter the game and that they've got a sustained model now where they're gonna be delivering new content. That makes me happy because after they, they reshuffled on heroes, it really felt like they were just giving up on it, and I don't think that's fair because it's a good uh, game. Yeah, it is a good game. Heck, I played it and I actually enjoyed it. I liked. It. I I had fun playing Malfurion and Heroes of the Storm. I was terrible at it, but I enjoyed it. Um, but I I was very terrible at it. Ooh, oh boy! Don't ever make me uh, a hero in your mo- chat, don't make me the healer in your MOBA. Chat don't. chat has chat has corrected us. It is apparently pronounced May. So I apologize. Yeah. See, that's I I look at words and I don't know how to pronounce them. I'm really bad like that. I. I Grew up reading words well before I ever heard them spoken, so I don't have a good attachment to seeing a word and knowing how I should say it. It's just one of those things I've never been great at. But yeah, um, also there's been more stuff on the uh, the World of Warcraft Shadowlands Alpha. They've more 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 hairstyles and so forth have been introduced. They've been a lot of stuff is not actually on the alpha yet. For instance, the night elf hairstyles and so forth that have been that everyone's been seeing are not actually available. In fact, you can't even load a Night Elf on the Alpha. For instance, mm-hmm. right now, I'm st- you can't tell because the character is literally doing nothing of importance, but technically speaking, we are streaming this game. This is the Alpha. Uh, I will show you... Oh, I, I have to do this to show you. You can see that they're level, seven, level 10, item level 8. This is an Alpha level 10. Just finished the starting experience. Little Green Axe. And... Uh, one thing that they did do, however, is they they put in the change to single-minded fury for warriors and other such changes, which we'll probably talk about on the show. I don't know, but you know, if someone asked about it, I can't remember if anyone asked about it in the emails or not. But at any rate, yeah, it, it's it's still a work in progress. It's still an alpha, but some stuff's coming in. All four of the zones are open now. Uh, you can you can test Maldraxxus, Revendreth, Ardenweald, and uh, and Bastion, they're they're in. The Maw is not open yet, but you can you can obviously do Torghast. Oh uh, man, so, I so want to play an Ardenweald. <laughs> yeah, but that's basically it for news. So I guess we're going to move on to them. Their emails and questions that we get. Uh, if you have a question for the show, you can you can get it to us in one of several ways. You can email it to us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzardwatch, so we know it's for the show. Um, or you can say free the podcast, and then whichever one of us sees it first grabs it. Um, that, that tends to be how that works. Yeah. Or you can go to the Patreon Q and Podcast Questions channel on our Discord server, or you can go to the Q Questions channel that's not linked to, to being a patron. We look in the patron one first because that's the whole deal with being a patron is we, we look at your questions first. That's, that's what you're giving us money to get. Uh, but we do look in that one, too, in case we're low on questions or what have you. And uh, we do appreciate getting questions from those as well. Joe's going to also try and pay attention to chat, as he has done throughout this show. You know, he's already he's already noticed some people saying things. We try to get you guys involved as much as we can because, you know, otherwise it literally would just be me and Joe talking about whatever for like an hour. And I don't know, actually know what the downside to that would be, but nevertheless, that's what it would be. So. <laughs> 
If you want to go, Joe? Absolutely. Greetings, watchers. I was thinking about all the customization options and was wondering if they would unlock the three skin tones Death Knight customization option for your character if you picked Maldraxxus as your covenant. I would love to have my warrior have this, this skin and would really open up the leper gnomes for the alliance. Maybe add red eyes to them, uh, Nathanos style. They already put the Night Warrior customization option behind an unlock, so I wonder if they would do more of this. Speaking of this very same customization option, I was also wondering if them not adding these skins to the allied races was an oversight, or was the allied race DK's uh, an oversight that they just didn't plan for and threw out the door without the skins. Thanks for all you do, Uthos from Proudmoore. I mean, I don't know... Like if they, I don't know if I would say that allied race DKs were an oversight, but I do think it's pretty obvious that they were not initially intending to give them Death Knights, but the overwhelming demand made them go, okay, people want them, all right. And so, I mean, does that make sense? That they basically yeah. they listened to you and gave you what you wanted. Which I know it's Blizzard, that's confusing, but they do do that from time to time. I, I, it's just that they don't. They're kind of like Joss Whedon. They don't like to give you what you want, but they like to give you what you need sort of thing. Um, I, I don't like the Firefly movie. I, I didn't feel like I needed that, <laughs> to be quite <laughs> frank. <laughs> I don't think you needed to kill him. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go watch the, Fire, the, the Firefly movie, Serenity, I guess, and then you'll know what I'm talking about. But, yeah, I don't. there's no real way to know if they're going to do that. I mean, I haven't heard anything about that of you. No, I, I, they haven't said anything. Uh, I don't think I've seen anything said anywhere about it. It would be, it wouldn't be outside of the realm of possibilities as something that I could see them adding or going back and doing, uh, simply because it's something that would make people happy. If they already have the skeletons fully rigged, which we know they do, uh, doing the skin thing probably isn't going to be that terribly difficult. Um, I'm, question marking that one because I don't know the source code uh, so I can't really say yes or no to that but I would not be surprised if as time goes on we see them worked in and it would probably be something that you know they release another pack of customizations and the next thing you know they say oh by the way you know this allied race now can do this this and this and we've seen them do that before Um, although I do kind of like the idea of the unlock thing, not necessarily as like a long chain, like uh, the whole uh, long strange trip or, or pathfinder or any of the other ones that are just really hard slugs to, to get through or have been slugs in the past, maybe have something simple, like, I don't know, a series of, of small quests or, or something that then unlocks that skin tone for you on your account. Uh, give you a little fun instead of just throwing them out there. Don't know, but I would not be surprised to see it in the future. So, uh, I yeah, I don't think there's anything. I, else I do don't I think. Know. I do think one thing I want to point out: the way the Night Warrior works, the unlock is kind of long, but you don't really have to do a lot. Mm-hmm. You just go to you just go to the area around Dark Shore and you wander around following Toronto for a bit. That kind of unlock wouldn't be too bad for the kind of thing you're talking about. Yeah, like a story thing almost. But in general, yeah, I can see it. I, I could kind of support that kind of thing. Although I would, I would also not mind if they just let you have it as soon as you pick the covenant. That would be fine by me too. I'm kind of easy that way, but yeah, I think that pretty much covers it. All right. 
Our next set of questions comes from Tetsemi. A question for the podcast and our lore watch. Well, got on the podcast. You, an average citizen minding your own business, trying to get from your house to the market in a major capital city. A member of your same ancestry is approaching rapidly from the opposite direction, being chased by a large, axe-wielding demon. Do you, A, scream in terror and run the opposite direction, B, point at the demon and call for the guards, C, press yourself into the nearest doorway and hope Bob doesn't run you over this time? Uh, I think we'll do these one by one because these are fun. Uh, I'm a, I'm a hard B on that one. I'd at least try to help a little bit. I'd probably get killed for it, but I'd try to help. What about you? I'm not going to help a warlock against his own demon. The demon is just following the guy. <laughs> Come on. you! How long have you lived in Azeroth? <laughs> yeah, that's but I mean, like, you know, that's like you, that's like you unfairly racially profiling that demon. That demon works for that man. <laughs> or woman, whatever. I don't know what Bob is. Fair. Uh, I don't know, though. But, yeah, I mean, maybe it is unfair to the demons. Or maybe it's also an axe wielding demon. I don't know. Either way, I'd probably call the guards. Uh, so, yeah. What would you choose out of those three? You didn't You didn't say. I just said, and I'm not calling anybody. Just move out of the way so just Bob gets out of the by. Way? Okay. Yeah. All right, so after Bill and Bob run past, you continue on and turn the corner and come face-to-face with two ligers, lion, tigers, or maybe large wild jungle cats pacing back and forth. They glance hungrily at you. Do you, A, scream in terror and run the opposite direction, B, point at the jungle cats and call for the guards, C, toss Fred and George some fish scraps you had in your bag, and see if you can find where Roger the Hunter is? Uh, I'm going hard C on that one. I'd at least try to survive. Maybe distraction, um, running a zigzag. I, I, it's weird because again, I think what's being pointed out here is the, the inevitable strangeness of living in Azeroth, where people can just <laughs> walk up to a small dwarf on the side of the road and be like, "Hey, can I have my giant monster?" And they're like, "Sure, here it is." Like, Yay, my plague bear! Thanks. I'm gonna leave the rest of my, you know, dinosaurs and talbucks and the cleft hooves here in the stable. You know, and, and then I'll just be on my way with my, you know, the, the, the ten or so animals I'm carrying with me that I can switch to at a modem's, no- modem's notice. I keep saying modem's notice. <laughs> Moments notice. Anyway. Uh, there is a so real I, question in here, though. Sorry, go ahead. I, I'm going with C here. I, you, you know, you just go look for the hunter. Yeah. Uh, the real question, how do the citizens of WoW or any other game even cope with all the outrageous, out-of-the-ordinary things going on around them each day and not lose their minds that it's not another invasion would a large city have rules about stabling pets no summon demons etc how would you handle this in a D setting go ahead well i mean first off you have to remember that in world of warcraft the game versus world of warcraft the setting there's there's a difference in what's actually happening if you play a warlock and you go to stormwind for instance you're led to go to the secret warlock bar and they're told, basically, that you're not supposed to go around telling people you're a warlock. Got to keep it on the down low. That means, technically speaking, you should not be walking around with a giant demon following you around carrying multiple giant axes. Mm-hmm. That's that's a giveaway. You should not do that. Your imp, keep your imp... No, your imp should not be out while you are wandering around. You know, When you are like, hello, citizen, I am a normal person here to buy some cheese from Eiling Trilling's Cheese Shop. Because it's fascinating and wonderful cheese. 
I am not a warlock. And you stare at them for a very long time. And then the imp comes out with the cheese. Yeah. You basically you're supposed to be trying to keep it on the down low. Yeah. That's that's established. However, that, that's, the game that's does old not school actually classic wow. Yeah. Yeah. The game does not actually enforce this. The guards don't come running when you have your pet out because, you know, if they did, players would be constantly forgetting to put their pets away and then you'd have a fracas. Uh, I think in general we have to remember that the places we go in game are represented representations of the places that they are. They're not like that's not actual size. Stormwind is significantly bigger than it appears in game. And the game world is significantly bigger than it appears to be in game. I think Kalimdor is roughly equivalent, but if you they they did an experiment where they actually had a character run and then they, you know, used the average run speed of a person. And it turns out that Kalimdor is actually around the size of Manhattan Island. Mm-hmm. In terms of like how long it takes you to run from one end of it to the other. If you assume that they're running at the speed of a normal, like even like, uh, like a, the, the the fastest human being on the planet, it's it's about the size of Manhattan Island, as opposed to in in Azeroth's story, Kalimdor is much larger than that. But it's not all the space is not represented. It's it's, and as a result, a lot of the stuff that happens in game is happening across bigger distances people don't see it as much people aren't exposed to it as much uh people in stormwind who might get used to seeing night elves are not people out in like you know elwyn forest who almost never see them people on farms if somebody lives out in westfall the, the likelihood of them seeing a night elf is exceedingly small especially if they live on some farm somewhere they would almost never they would not really know what was going on most of the time. It's not like they're going to have magical means of, con- of traveling the distance or conveying messages. They're just going to be living on a farm. Yeah, and they might have so, heard of Dalaran, but that doesn't mean they've seen it. They don't. They yeah. heard, heard stories of the magical flying city. Doesn't mean they've been there, right? Yeah, absolutely. And um, especially now that Dalaran has moved so many times, I don't even know where <laughs> Dalaran is anymore. Uh, it's still in the Broken Shore. Last yeah, it's I still, heard. still, in, still over in the Broken Isles. So, uh, this is one of those weird things. Like it's, it's sort of the you have to have that sort of modicum of suspension of disbelief. Uh, Matt's right. Scale is off. Right, the scale of the world as presented in story versus as what presented in game is completely off. Uh, but then, as Matt pointed out, like the whole warlock thing, there is a whole uh thing there where they try to be the secret organization for so long, people don't necessarily see a, a warlock catering their demons around all the time. Uh, same thing, they might not, they may see priests like in Stormwind, they may understand priests of the light, the clergy, they may see knights and and, and paladins and be used to that but like Matt said, I, and Night Elf pops up or, or you know uh, a Draenei pops into the city, it's not like they're all over the place, people would still be sort of out there for it. Now, I know, and this is not in WoW, because I don't think they've ever established any rules or anything like that, as far as like, oh, you can't do this, despite being an adventurer in the city, we have laws against that, and wag my finger at you. Uh, But in a lot of stories, uh, D&D settings as well, there are cities that have rules against this type of stuff or, or certain things, because they've encountered it enough to understand it's weird or bad. Uh, or problems happen. Um, so, like, one of the part of the question was how we would deal with it in D&D. 
that's all over the place. Like, I have a city that, in my game world, that magic's not allowed. You want to walk in, you're a magic user, congratulations, you get fairy shackles on you that completely sapped your energy. Because they've had one too many fireballs go off in the middle of their entire city made of wood. Uh, they, they got tired of it after a while. Things like that. So, Yeah, you know, I mean, there's like, one of the cities in the game I'm currently running um, is called Unez. Unez magic does not work there. Period. You go anywhere near it, it's like about a 20 mile radius. Magic does not work. As a result, it's a place where demons and angels that have been kicked out of their various extraplanar realms congregate in because they can't be easily assassinated there. Nobody can just teleport in and attack them. So if you want to go kill them there, you have to walk in and get through the you know immigration into the city. Whereas Piador, which is one of the larger cities, is very magical. And it's just expected that, you know, sorcery mm-hmm. and random magic stuff happens here and you're, you know, get used to it. If you're not used to it, don't live here. Yep. They're, they're, and that's, you know, I feel with like World of Warcraft, it, it definitely feels like the setting is considered to be baseline in many ways. So they don't really, they, they, they leave a lot unsaid and have just enough for the players to know this is a magical world without, without making it too much. Yeah. You know, they're not thinking about it too terribly much. I can ass- we can assume, however, that if your warlock actually like summoned a, b- a big demon in the middle of town and started sending it off to attack things, the guards would probably know who to call to stop you. Like, there, there definitely would be a reaction. There's paladins and stuff who would show up. It would not be pretty. Yeah. So, again, we don't know how the the every average everyday citizen deal with it in places like Stormwind, but. Who knows? Maybe we'll get a little slice of that later on. Uh, our next question. Hey, watchers, longtime listener since the days of Mike and the Terps. Wow. Old school. Uh, I've been intermittently addicted to WoW for the past 12 years, and as a result, I tend to take long breaks, sometimes spanning entire expansions. I love the lore of the game, but unfortunately, I lose a lot of story with these big gaps. My question is this. Having just come back again in order to prepare for Shadowlands... I was surprised at the intro to Nihilatha on Alliance. When Anduin sees Rathian enter the, the throne room, he nearly kills him and accuses him of being the reason his father died. What? I thought Varian died in the Legion invasion at the Broken Isles. What did Rathian have to do with that? It may seem like a silly question, but I've tried piecing together the story that I've missed since Warlords, and this one, this is one part I couldn't fit. Uh, thanks for the constant entertainment over all the years. Uh, Lenzili, an Alliance Ultaholic and OG member of the Rossi Posse. Do you want to go with this one or you want me to? Uh, go for it, man. Okay. Um, first off, Anduin sucker punched him. He didn't nearly kill him. Rathian is a dragon. He got a good shot in. He got a punch on him. He, he It wasn't even close to killing him. It was more like, ow, that kind of hurt a little bit, man. It was more his pride that he injured than anything else. Secondly, Rathion is the reason that Garrosh Hellscream escaped captivity and the, the novel War Crimes. Rathion worked with Kairos, and together so they, they helped the Infinite Dragonflight spirit Garrosh away and helped take him to the alternate Draenor that War is a Draenor takes place in. In that alternate Draenor, Garrosh met and did not kill Gul'dan but spared him so that they could use him as a power source to create their own version of the Dark Portal to invade our Azeroth with, which kicked off the events of that expansion. 
which led to Gul'dan eventually corrupting the uh, the Iron Horde into the Fell Horde, mm-hmm. which led to Archimon sending that Gul'dan to our world and him opening up the portal to the Legion inside the Tomb of Sargeras, and which led to Varian's death. So had Rathion not done what he did, and he, remember he directly betrayed Anduin to do it. Go read War Crimes; it's very good. Yeah, I was um, going to say War Crimes is a must-read if you want to yeah. want to catch up on some of that. Yeah, if he had not done those things, then Varian would likely still be alive, and the Legion would not have invaded us because they would not have had another Goldon to open the portal for them. So that's why he punched Rathion in the face, because not only did Rathion directly caused those events to occur, but he betrayed Anduin to make them happen in the first place. So Anduin's understandably miffed off. Yeah, Rathian is the architect of a lot of things that... I mean, you got to take into consideration he's a baby for a very long time. He's While he has grown uh, or born fully sentient or whatever the case is, that dragons do... He's still not experienced at life and makes a lot of really poor choices and they have consequences. And unfortunately, Anduin and the Alliance have suffered a lot of those consequences directly. Uh, So, yeah, he's very, very mad about that. Um, I will really say that War Crimes is probably a a really good must read book uh, if you want to sort of understand the genesis of all of that. Uh, And it's worth the read anyway. It's just a good book. Uh, what was I going to say? Uh, the other part of that is if you want to know more, and I hate to do this, I don't really hate to do it because I'm really proud of the show. If you want more lore as far as like getting caught up and you don't listen to it, you might want to check out our other podcast, Lore Watch, where we do routinely do breakdowns of this type of stuff. Everything's pretty well labeled. Um, we do do, we have in the past and we probably will continue to do like post-expansion, like, rundowns and synopses, uh, and sort of, like, bringing people up to speed. Uh, so it's a good way to catch up on that as well, especially if you take long breaks in between everything. Um, so, yep. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yep, I was agreeing with you. So I was going to say, so, Linzilli, thank you for asking that question of us. Hopefully we answer that a little bit for you, and uh, maybe we can give you some more uh, lovely lore bits if you come and visit us on the other podcast. All right. Our next question comes from SARS, not the virus. What would you guys like to see from the remaining heritage armor sets and quest lines? That's a good one. What do we have left? What what are the what are the heritage armors we don't have yet? I don't think we have Night Elf or Forsaken. Um yeah, I'm pretty sure we don't have Night Elf or Forsaken. Mm-hmm. I don't think we have Draenei, do we? I don't think we have base Draenei. We do we have Lightforged, right? We have Lightforged, absolutely. We have Lightforged. Uh, we have Heritage Armor for all the Allied races. Um, I just mean for baseline ones. We don't have. We have gnomes, and obviously Mecha gnomes. We don't have. Yeah, so Night Elf, yeah. Forsaken, Human, Draenei, Troll. Thank you, Sage Time and Chat. Thank you. I don't know what I would want to see from those. What about you? What I'm, you inter- I'm interested in Night Elf, but I honestly feel like Night Elves got better with the Warfront armors because they got sets that match a certain kind of armor. So you've got the plate, the leather, the mail, and the, the cloth. They have four. They got four. 
during that warfront, mm-hmm. and the same for the Forsaken, for that matter. So it's actually possible that I kind of almost feel like you don't really need uh, a, a heritage armor for them because they got that many different options that all look very heritage mm. armory. And orcs, by the way. Yeah. Ooh. Orcs didn't get one either, or orcs did get one. Orcs did not get one. Yeah. Orcs kind of. I mean, the Maghar got one. Yeah, that doesn't really count though. That's that's a different. No, that's a whole different set of orc. There's also a bunch of different orc armors available in Warlords of Draenor. And for that matter, the Shatar Defender armor is also available in Warlords of Draenor. So there's a kind of Draenei transmog set as well that's sort of heritage armory. I don't. I don't know. It's it's interesting. Humans. I, I honestly feel like humans could use one because. Up till now, everyone is always associating humans with that same stock guard suit. And I really would like to see humans get like actual heritage armor that made mm-hmm. them feel more connected to the lore and felt more like, you know, clothing and less like, you know, here's, you know, why would everybody be wearing armor? You know, I mean, it's one thing for like people who go fighting daily to wear armor, but, you know, armor is cumbersome and annoying. So, well, I could definitely. Th- and that's what I like a lot about about a bunch of the the heritage armor. I mean, a, a lot of the stuff you get out there isn't super heavily armor. Uh, aside from like the Magar, the Maghar orcs, uh, the Lightforge one is pretty armory. But like for the most part, like look at the Worgen one; it's cloth with the top hat. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you don't like the top hat, I understand. Some people don't. Some people sure. do. Uh, some people don't like the shoulders on the Worgen set, but overall, I think the Worgen set looks really good. Uh, I think it's a it's a nice touch, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm looking at like I'm looking at some of these. Like the Blood Elf one is, yes, it's armor, but it's not really like heavy armor. The male gnome or the the, the gnome one in general, uh, it's got some gears on it, but otherwise, it looks almost like um, a tinkerer's jerkin. Like it's got that the sort of like that leather. Uh, feel that you'd see in like an old timey like clock worker or uh, somebody who was a blacksmith like that's got that sort of feel to it. Uh, the dwarf one is very heavy armor, but that's also pretty dwarfy. Uh, yeah, both the dwarf and the dark iron dwarf ones look very much like that. Yeah, uh, the the goblin one looks like it's a uh, failed attempt at protecting their vital parts uh, because they blow everything up. Uh, the Torn one is not very armory, uh, although it does have the totem on it, which makes me very happy, uh, as is the High Mountain one. But yeah, I would I would be okay if we started seeing something maybe like like humans in Forsaken. Maybe something like traditional non war garb, right? Something like what they people would have worn in peacetime, maybe do a celebration or something like that. Like maybe that is where the story of the heritage comes from with them reclaiming a piece of their lost uh, their lost heritage that's been pummeled in the ground after all these decades of, of just war is, and destruction. If you're playing a human in World of Warcraft, you're playing a Stormwind human. You are. And Stormwind humans were like ones that like thought looked around at Stromgard, thought you guys are running this place into the ground, and left. And, and went all the way south to Stormwind to get away from them. So I feel like they should have armor that's kind of like iconoclastic and individualistic, like that that's kind of celebrates their their you know origin as people who were like, nope, this we're not sticking around for this. This is messed up. 
And for Forsaken, Forsaken are the descendants of the people of Lordaeron. Yep. And Lordaeron was the biggest, most powerful, most prosperous nation among the Seven Kingdoms for a very long time. And I'd love to see them try and reclaim some of the elegance of that and twist it because now they're dead and they, they have a different way of looking at the world. I think Brill, what they did with architecture in places like Brill is a perfect example of how they could take the, the Lordaeron aesthetic and make it creepy and undead. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. They should really do good, that. Really good example. They should do that with their, their clothing. Like, yeah. The, the idea is that they still basically have – a lot of it might be based on the fact they'd be wearing cr- grave clothing. Because in some cases, they were buried first. They, they had funerals, and then they got up. So there could be some interesting stuff to be done with, like taking that idea of – They'd be wearing this like pros- this, the, the garb of a prosperous, you know, economically powerful, militarily powerful people, you know, and then they they give it the the spin of being corpses now, and like this is how they've changed their way of looking at it. That would be kind of cool. Something and that, that that played up the fact that their heritage is this. And you know what? And I was that was exactly where I was going to go with that for the Forsaken too, because that's something I would really like to see. I think it would be really cool. I think it would be, it would feel genuine to the to the race as far as like a heritage set of armor goes. So, the other ones I really don't have much of an opinion on. The ones that are remaining orcs, probably something more. I wouldn't be surprised if it's something more shamanistic, um, since that tends to be very much part of their identity is either warrior or shaman. What about you? Um. For who? I'm sorry. For the for the orcs. Oh, orcs! Actually, you know what I would like to see? Um, orcs had a lot of cultures. We kind of see that a little bit with the Maghar, where the Maghar get to be like members of specific tribes. And I get that modern orcs, you know, just just orcs, the the orcs that are the main ones of of our setting, they went through the horde. They got their cult, their individual cultures kind of stomped on a bit. And I get that. But I'd like to see them try to make a bit of a move towards reclaiming it and possibly bringing all of it together. Like, your orc might think of himself not as a member of the Laughing Skull or the Burning Blade, but as an orc of the Horde. But they still remember who they were. And mm-hmm. they remember, like, all of them. Because, you know, they, they honor the Frost Wolves because Thrall, Thrall was a Frost Wolf. They honor the laughing skull because their mother might have been a laughing skull. They honor the, you know, and, and you could have that eclectic sense of all the orc people, and you could have reflect that in the in the heritage armor, where it's got like a this this piece is very Frostwolf, this piece is very you know Blackrock, this piece is very Dragonmaw, and have it have a kind of eclectic sense, and not, and have it not be. Yet another big skull on your shoulder. Yeah, because that tends to be where they always default to. And skulls yeah. were cool for a while, but I'd like to see more. Like you're saying, I like the idea of like almost like a piecemeal. Uh, like this is honoring our ancestors, right? Yeah, Which, we we can't really go back to being different tribes anymore. But we, we can we hold lost the that. But we know that they were there. We know that they were before us, and we can honor them and what they've given us this new chance on this new world. So, yeah, I, I, I think that that would be pretty cool for orcs. Plus, I mean, if you want to be an orc who's got, like, you know, a giant axe and looks really scary, there's plenty of transmogs out there for that. 
But if you want to be an orc who looks like, you know, a member of a nation, there's not a ton out there for you. So I think c- coming up with a set that actually celebrates the identity of the Horde as a whole would be pretty cool. Yeah, I think I think I'd be down with that too. Uh, so yeah, our next one comes from the Kunkka. In Shadowlands, do you expect that we will learn of Nerzil's path from Portal Number Twenty Three, leaving Draenor, to Popsicle Armor of Ice Crown? I've always been curious of that transformation. We know what happened to him, at least a little bit. Like we know yeah. he was tortured and malformed and eventually shoved into that armor because that was what Sargeras did. Yeah, Kildren or Kildren is really me. yeah, Kildren is really inventive when it comes to torturing people. So he he flayed him alive but wouldn't let him die. That imagine what that's like to to have your body peeled apart piece by piece, but not to be allowed to die. Um, to, to use a line of something I've been watching fairly recently, the, the new Mortal Kombat game, uh, Mortal Kombat 11, mm-hmm. there's a character named Garas who can't die. Like, you kill him, he just gets back up. Yep. So at one point, Raiden's like, I'm done with you, and he like wraps him in chains and kicks an anchor off the side of the boat that he's on, and it's going to drag Garas into the Sea of Blood. And Garrus is like, I can't drown. This won't kill me. And Raiden's like, that's unfortunate for you because the sea of blood is bottomless and you will fall forever. That's kind of what Kill Jaden went through. We don't know how long. Because so, the thing is, is because time is different on the Twisting Nether, we don't know how long Kill Jaden was doing this to him. It could have been eons. We have no yeah. idea. Kill Jaden is immortal. Kill Jaden, you know, he can be killed, but he doesn't die, He doesn't get old. He's ageless. So, yeah. So he's there torturing this soul in a body that he's pulling apart piece by piece while not letting the soul die until he'd broken him enough that he barely remembered who he was. And then he stuck him inside the armor and the helmet. And like we don't even know how much we, we don't know if any of his body was involved in this at this point. We don't know like if if there was even a fragment of his his flesh left when he went into that armor, or so, if yeah. the bones that or, or the bones that sort of decorate the pieces of it or or whatever are his, which is a theory somebody posed to me the other day. Could be. Yeah, I don't know. Possible. It's quite possible. Now um, we know that the helmet and armor were supposedly made. Uh, in the Shadowlands, yes, we don't know who made them or why Kill Jaden had them. Like, did he make a deal with somebody? Did they give them to him? Did he go in and make them? I don't don't have an answer to you on this one. We don't know that yet, and we are likely going to see it. Like they've talked about, we're going to find out the origins of the Helm of Domination, and presumably we're going to see the origins of Frostmourne. Although they have not specifically said that, to my they've, knowledge, they've not officially said it. I think somebody slipped and said both in an interview, but that's the only reference to both being made at that location uh, that was, I think, ever has been made. So nothing nothing official yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if that's something we get more of there, too. I, the other thing I think, I think we're going to find out, too, is I think there will be a tie-in when we start discovering uh, more about how the Helm of Domination was made. I think that we will find more about what happened to Nerzul 
because I think that it is intrinsically tied together in some manner. Like, I don't, I don't think Killjade just had the helm laying around for this one moment. It seems to me more like something he would craft for this specific purpose or make a deal to have crafted for the specific purpose and tortured or made Nerzul transform in the way he did for that specific goal. So I think we'll find out more about that there. So, all right. And our last question of the evening. This is from our friend Shadana. Do we know anything about what the pre-expansion event will be? If not, any theories or hopes? We don't know. One, there's a big rumor. Um, I don't know if I should say. You know what, guys? Uh, I'm going to give you a spoiler warning here. Potential spoiler warning. Here's your warning. Yeah. There's been some files data mined, and some people on the Alpha have gone to the Western Plague Lands, and they found Nathanos Maris back in his own house. And the, the text files indicate that he gets in a fight, and he re- even references, oh, isn't, this is like nostalgic. Uh, apparently, it looks like he will be raidable. We don't know if it's a quest. We don't know if he's a world boss. And we don't know for sure if this takes place during Shadowlands or before it. Because time's wibbly wobbly right now. The theory is that it happens before Shadowlands. That essentially we go and we kill Nathanos as part of the lead up to what's going on in Shadowlands. Mm -hmm. Possibly connected to the, the new novel Shadows Rising. Which, without any spoilers, I can tell you Nathanos is in it. Oh, yeah. I, they mention him on the cover. I don't feel like I'm spoiling anything for no. you. But as a result of everything that's going on there, you you can basically... We, we don't know what this means. And we don't know if it's going to be the pre-expansion event or just a part of the pre-expansion event or what have you. you or just, just know, a thing. Yeah. Maybe he's a world boss in the expansion. I don't know the answer to these questions. I just know that he exists, that he's there. That's pretty much, yeah. That's all, that's pretty much all we know right now. So, what we'll find out in the future, mm, could find out a lot of things. Don't know. All right. Picture it, Azeroth, nineteen thirty-two. Um, no, so. I have this thing rolling around in my head, and this is something that I want to happen. I don't think it's going to happen, but it would be something really cool in my eyes is if we the pre-expansion event was a hunt, right? It was essentially us catching wind of everything that happens uh, with this sort of lead up to the big cinematic event with the Helm of Domination getting crushed. And the the way being open to the Shadowlands, right? What I would love to see is the lead up in between that moment and the end of Battle for Azeroth as we're reeling from everything that's happened, where we get a glimpse of, okay, we catch uh, maybe this snippet of he, Sylvanas was spotted here. Okay, she was spotted there. And we're going from p- place to place trying to track her down. And with the Nathanos thing, 
if he's the last stopgap before we figure out where she's going, like have that be part of it only for us to have to wade through a sea of undead at war with other undead or whatever she's doing or maybe spirits or whatever to get to the top of ice crown too late to see her ascending uh, into that, that final form and and going into the Shadowlands or, and finishing what she wants to do. But I want that moment of the hunt because it's something that I feel like Tyrande was sort of denied. It's something we as players have been denied so far. And from the stuff that we see in game and a lot of the uh, stuff that they talk about, the NPCs, the, the way they vocalize it, it's something they're looking to do. Uh, if you've read the the shorts, uh, uh, the the Adder, I think, we can't remember. Why can't I think of the name of the, the, the short story now? But there's there's even some tinges of that in there where there's the recent regrets and, and and everything else and there's still work to be done i'd like to see us actually start following up on some of that stuff i also think it would be cool because we as players whereas these big bad heroes we tend to drop stuff we get done with something we're like all right cool we're done this mess is something we'll come back to you know 10 years from now no, have us actually try to clean up a mess we made immediately and have it lead into the next mess. I'd be fine with that. Give me something like that. I'm a happy camper. Sorry. Any thoughts? Any other thoughts? No, I mean, I think that's, you know, I, I that's fair. I haven't really, I don't really have a lot of cool, like what I'd like to see happen ideas. I don't know why. I feel like maybe it's because I've been in the alpha and I, I get a sense of the stories shape but not enough of it like i don't know enough of the shape of the story to really like extrapolate on where it's going to be or where it comes from but i do i do definitely think i would like to see us try and do something for once rather than not do it and i'm also super excited right now because i'm using single-handed fury on the the, <laughs> the, the, the alpha so the same time that i'm trying to think of story stuff it's like you know here i am using two one-handed weapons again and it's funny because I love Titan's Grip. I love Titan's Grip. It's one of my absolute favorites. But, you know, the option, having the option back is really nice. This has nothing to do with your question. I'm sorry. But I did <laughs> want to talk about it because I said I was probably going to talk about it at some point during the show. So, yeah, Single Mind of Fury is back. A lot of stuff has been changed. I don't have talents on this character because it's level 10. I should have lo- leveled on, logged on a character like level 57 or something. But I will at some point. Uh yeah, in terms of like the way to go into Shadowlands, part of me wonders if we need a pre-expansion event. There not was that a rumor that we wouldn't get one. one. Yeah, I'm not opposed to us getting one, and I'm not opposed to us, but I'm not opposed to us not getting one necessarily. I think it would be kind of interesting if we didn't, um, because you know it just it's just be the war ended, and then this the sky cracked open, and we have to go to another place. I don't know. With the with knowing that time in the Shadowlands is going to be weird and disjointed, has me wondering a lot about how the narrative is going to flow. Yeah. So, I guess that's it. I guess I don't really have a really great idea other than the the thing I told you guys about in Thanos. So, yeah, well, I'm done. I was going to say, if you have ideas of what you'd like to see an in-game event be, or you know, you have something that you'd like to see maybe tidy up, hit us up. I'd like to, I'd like to know what you guys 
uh, are looking forward to or what you would do if you were given the opportunity to choose what the big event was uh, leading up to the expansion. It's always interesting to hear what other players uh, potentially uh, are interested in. But Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on the podcast or the queue, and an ask-free site experience. Uh, you can also support us uh, for you, the listeners of Blizzard Watch, by going to Audible. Audible is offering a free audiobook uh, or download with a 30-day free trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. You can download many of Blizzard's titles, like War Crimes, and thousands of others at blizzardwatch.com audible. Okay, thank you, Joe. Uh, again, if you've got a question for the show, please remember to either email it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch so we know it's for the show. Or you can hit us up on our Discord. We've got the uh, Patreon Q and Podcast Questions channel and the non-Patreon Q Questions channel, both of which we look at for questions. Um, we would be happy to take yours. That's what we do. Uh, this has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here. And we'll be here next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.